Answer me this. Are you a morning person? Maybe an afternoon person? Perhaps you're a night owl. Perhaps you feel like you never really get, get moving. Well, regardless of how you would classify yourself, you deserve to have a morning routine that serves you, that sets you up for success. Now, before you, you start rolling your eyes and go, oh, I've, I've heard all about the morning routine stuff and all the things that we're all supposed to do and journal and meditate and yoga, and I just don't have time for that or I don't like it. Guess what? That is not what I'm going to tell you. Instead, I am thrilled to tell you about my annual free event coming up called Master Your Morning. And over the course of five days, 30 minutes or less each day, I'm going to teach you how to create your own unique morning routine based on two things, your unique personality type, and secondly, the realities of your home life, right? You may not have a lot of time for a morning routine, and that's what this free workshop is all about. So if you want to come join, head over to megansumrall.com forward slash master your morning. And I promise you at the end of it, you are going to have a completely different relationship with the morning. Hey friends, I'm so thrilled to be able to introduce you to a new guest here today, Casey Matthews. We connected through a mutual friend. We had an instant connection. I knew I needed to bring her here on the podcast for all of you. I'll let her introduce herself here shortly, but our conversation today is going to be a very different take on productivity, and it's really geared for understanding if you're someone that battles and struggles with anxiety or, you know, some people just say, you know, constant overwhelm, it really can make you feel very unproductive and it can be paralyzing. And so Casey is going to be sharing some tips with you all today on what you can do to help manage, for lack of a better word, just some, some different thoughts to put into your head about how to manage anxiety in ways that then it doesn't have this long-term ripple effect on productivity. But what I really love about our conversation is putting a different definition on productivity. So I can't wait for you guys to listen in. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Sumrall. I'm a former techie turned entrepreneur. I'm also a mom and a wife. And just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Being a successful female entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. Gaining control of your time and calendar is all about learning a few key techniques and systems to better organize and structure your time. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Work-Life Harmony. I have a delightful guest with you. We're still laughing. We were having a fun conversation here before I hit record. But today I get to welcome you all to meet Casey Matthews. I'm excited about our conversation, but before we jump into it, I'm going to let you introduce yourselves and then we'll get going. Okay. Thanks, Megan. I'm really glad to be here as I already expressed to you. I'm an author. I have two books, one called The Mom's Guide to Creating a Magical Life and the other is called Preemie, Lessons in Love, Life and Motherhood. I am also a speaker and I am a transformational life coach and a book writing coach. So that's those are my things. I'm a mom of two and live in New Hampshire 
and take my daily walks in the woods as my daily meditation with my Bernie's Mountain Dog Georgie girl. I just saw her pop it in yeah, behind she's, you. Yeah, she's my coaching assistant. Speaking assistant, she's always at my side on the couch behind me, as you see. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss those dogs. They're great. So what we're going to be talking about today is something it's near and dear to me, both from a personal family perspective, but also for a lot of my clients as well, which is how, you know, if you are someone that battles and struggles anxiety, it really can have a significant impact on productivity and, you know, organizational time management, all of that. And it is not something I was super familiar with, but I do have loved ones that definitely battle it. And so it it opened my eyes to it a long time ago. And it's been really powerful for me to have some clients go through my program that have thankfully openly shared with me, Hey, I really, I really battle anxiety, which has allowed us to craft a different way of managing your time, a different way of putting stuff on your calendar. Because one of the things I had to learn early on working with people with anxiety, you know, having my day fully mapped out, even with blocks written for like, Hey, this is your time to go chill and not work. For some people with anxiety, seeing a day that has, you know, every spot filled from when they wake up to go to bed is, is maybe a terrible thing for them. It can feel overwhelming. So I know this is a topic you are very well versed in. And so would love to get your thoughts on what are some strategies that people can use to help really manage that so that it doesn't completely derail their productivity. You bet. And first of all, I love that you've acknowledged there's no one size fits all, right? That this customization is so important. And I think we all need to do that. There's so much out there, but what works just for us? And for those that struggle with anxiety, it's almost like a a low vibrational hum existing like right beneath the surface of your skin. Mm. And it's kind of like we can come in with every amazing system strategy in the book. And it's like planting seeds on top of a garden, but the soil is, you know, toxic and not a friendly environment and full of weeds and rocks and stones. So that's where we got to go down into the soil first to get that stuff up and out so that we can plant those seeds and then the systems and the strategies and all the rest can work in your way of customizing it, you know? Yeah, that's such a great visual. And I've shared before, you know, my, my daughter has some, some anxiety challenges and the way you just described it, like I can sometimes visually almost see that, that vibration in her, in her body. Sometimes as soon as you said that, I almost got the chills. I'm like, wow, that is a really great way of describing what's, what's right there under the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And so the most, I feel like the most empowering piece of all of this is just the plain acknowledgement of it. So the, Mm -hmm. for those who don't really get this, it doesn't live within their consciousness. And we plan out our weeks, day to day, weeks out the month, we got it going on. You know, for someone who wakes up and your day is planned out on your Tuesday and you're in the grips of anxiety, you know, you can plan all along, but you, and and so it's the unpredictability piece. And so it's the piece of needing to have the tools in place so that on those days, when you do wake up, no matter how well you've planned, no matter how much scaffolding is put in place into these systems and routines toward productivity, 
you've got to take that step back and get down into the dirt. And that's where you put the tools into place. And that's where, you know, you and I had spoken that those are the the strategies. What are the, the go-tos? And, you know, recognizing. So it's not the waking up, feeling that shaky vibration beneath the skin and going, you know what? I've already got my day planned. I'm just going to ignore it because as you've witnessed anxiety, it'll find its way back in, you know, we can push Mm -hmm. it down, but it's going to keep rearing its ugly head and keep pulling up and coming up. So, you know, I have a whole list of go-tos and it's really like, like you spoke about the customization of your, your um, programs and all what works best for me. And the best way to, to know is to try it, try it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what led me to this place is my book preemies about our daughter, our son Tucker was born on his due date, eight pounds, even, you know, couldn't have been like, la la la. Andy was born at 25 weeks. She weighed a pound, 11 ounces. So it literally, well, I'm not exaggerating. She had four major surgeries. She was seven years old when I was walking through a grocery store and saw some news article that made my knees buckle. And I realized, oh my God, I am in the throes and I am trapped by anxiety. And I didn't even know it. It had become so systemic and so part of my days that I just went around shaking all the time. And then it was like, I can't live my life this way. And what a disservice I'm doing to my children and the world at large. I have a gift to share. You know, I want to be out there doing my work, not, you know, crippled by this. Yeah. And I, one of the things I'm, I feel I'm seeing a shift in that I'm grateful for just as a community, as a society is the willingness and openness that people can say, I'm struggling with these things. And it's not this taboo that makes you weak that, you know, an understanding of, no, these are, this is real. You're not weak. You're not, not smart enough. Whatever the thing is that you're going to you know label it yourself as instead understanding, no, this is real. And there's a ton of different strategies that I may need to learn to help do this. But first saying it's okay. Like it's okay. There's here's so where I am and here's who I am. And so now <laughs> Now let's start thinking about some tools and strategies so that you can feel better. Yeah. Yeah. The, the forgiveness the and the acceptance. Yeah. That, yeah. That's so huge. And I think there is that cultural stigma of weakness. Come on, you can push through. What's, what's the matter with you? You know, I think in particular with males, that's been even more Absolutely. so. And, you know, we have a piece around that with my son and, you know, but so women, we have the ability more to just say, I'm anxious without the judgment piece. But I think that's so important. And I think it's so important to really re- remember and recognize that it's like strength and, and vulnerability weave themselves around each other. Like they share the same DNA. And when we are at our most vulnerable and bringing this anxiety and angst and all the rest to light, we're actually at our greatest strength. And and I think when we can get, especially our young ones to understand that, unfortunately we have, you know, like Michael Phelps has come out in this whole campaign speaking about this, exactly what he's been dealing with. Like, bravo, amen to that so that they can clear the path for others to follow and say, me too, right? Yeah, exactly. And I know Lady Gaga did a big, you know, a, big yeah. a big part of her platform as well, which is, it's nice to see people talking about it in a place that makes it feel more okay. 
Absolutely. Talk about. And so. especially wildly successful people who say mm-hmm. this was, you know, the path to get me here. And it's all part of it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I know you've got a good chunk of strategies that you can share yeah. here today, yeah. right? All right. So cool. the first one really is the acknowledgement piece. So, so, so many of us walk around in sort of this, our feathers are very ruffled, we're out of sorts, things trigger us very easily, and we don't even know why, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, we'll just recognize, like, is anxiety at play there? And if so, you know, okay, that's it. Just the acknowledgement alone of, oh, that's what's going on. That's why I always feel this shakiness and like, I can't quite move myself forward. So that Mm -hmm. piece is foundational. It's like the fundamental piece of just acknowledging. And for some of us, I always see a vision of a radio dial in my head. For some of us, it's sometimes it's turned up to 11. It's way up there, you know? And then for some of us, we walk around with just sort of around a five or a six and it's just low enough that like I did with my daughter for seven years, I just started living with it and not even knowing that that had become sort of my default. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we want to turn that dial down. We want to get it down, you know, ideally a zero, but life comes at us. So it, it, you know, when the dial goes up, what's in our toolbox, what can we go to? So I believe really strongly in the power of acknowledgement and then saying it out loud, that saying it out loud, I'm anxious. You can just feel that brings in the breath. Say it again. I'm anxious. You know, and then feeling the exhale that follows. How simple is that, right? But it starts this process of next step of acknowledgement, knowing it and then speaking it out loud. I find I'll do that when I have a day that I'll sit down to work and I've, for me, it's overwhelmed that sometimes I get in that I look at the list for today and then the thing changes or whatever. And in the moment, I'll always... And I've learned to stop and just say, okay, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. I'll like talk to myself out loud in my office. I'm like, I'm feeling overwhelmed at the minute. I'm just going to stand up. <laughs> like, I know what I need to do to, to kind of work out of this, yeah. but it's such a big game changer as opposed to, I'm just going to power through, just and get you know to work. What? Cause then it triggers me like, well, then I better. And I just, I'm like, nope. Okay. I'm feeling totally overwhelmed. Like pause, regroup. And I love because what you're doing in that moment, and I'm like physically watching you do it, is you're getting out of your head Mm -hmm. and back into your body. Like, you know, hearing it with all your senses, you're speaking it, you're hearing it, you know, oh, there it is. I'm back in my body. We're home, you know? And I, and I think, you know, I love how much you, you know, your approach to overwhelm and, and so much of overwhelm is we're not home. You know, we, we like, we get so overwhelmed, we leave our body, we're gone, right? And there's this empty shell walking around and just getting more and more overwhelmed, more and more anxious, because we're not there. So this saying it out loud practice, get back in your body, welcome yourself home. It doesn't feel good to be here, but let's get back home in your body and then figure out what you need to do next. Yeah, so, so good, so yeah, good. So next always is, remembering that we're energetic beings, right? And energy flows best through water and we're made up of mostly water. So the first thing we want to do after the acknowledgement saying that loud is get water into our system, hydrate. Mm. So we can be in the flow of energy. Our body can be moving. Sometimes when we're really highly anxious, the last thing we even want to do is, you know, bring anything in. So I'm talking like a sip, take one sip of water, take another. You know, my personal practice is 
every morning upon waking up, I say a mantra, just opening up, offering up my worries, my concerns, my intentions for the day and asking for the deepest blessings. And then I turn and when my feet hit the floor, there's a glass of water that was filled the night before. And the first thing I do is drink that down. Hmm. And what a difference. I mean, if, if your listeners take nothing else away, but that one new practice, you know, and anchoring it in to something you already do, well, we all wake up every day. Up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So the first thing you do is if you drink a glass of room temperature water, just notice. And for me, you know, it is such a habit, but I can tell the difference when I didn't do it. And sure. when I do it now, right? We start from a place of hydration, but more importantly, the energy circuits are connected and there's the energy is able to flow through the water. Hey there. If you are feeling overwhelmed, like your calendar is out of control, like you are just running against a race that will never end in terms of your to-do list. I have great news for you. I have just done a complete update on my app. Yes, I have an app in both the App Store and Google Play called The Pink Bee, and it is chock full of small but incredibly powerful trainings to help you get out of overwhelm. It includes my signature Ditch the Overwhelm training, an introduction to my time management framework. It can help get you started on weekly planning, helps you understand the four levels of planning, gives you access to my epic One Notebook Challenge, and some tips and tricks on how to get your phone organized. And all of that is available for you right inside the Pink Bee app. So open up either your app store or Google Play, do a search on the Pink Bee, all one word, download the app. And then to unlock all of that training, it's only $4.99 US. I will see you inside the app. Mm. Right. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah, it's true. The things that we do on the hat, like true habits now mm-hmm. in the moment, I don't notice them making a difference, but when I don't do it, that's when I'm like, oh, okay, the whole, like everything feels weird. Yep. I, I love that. Cause it's sort of like, wait, why is my day all thrown off? Oh, yep. I know I didn't do that. That one thing that I really know I need to put in sport. And I kind of love those days because it really highlights, first of all, how well you're doing. And second of all, how darn important those habits are. They can be the smallest of things. I mean, for me last weekend, you know, part of my morning routine is I am up much earlier than my family and I, I come down, you know, do my stuff. Have, and I just, I get to have that cup of coffee by myself while I do some stuff. And usually even on the weekends, even when I sleep in, you know, my daughter's old enough, we let her go watch some cartoons. And so even if the house is awake, although I'm still usually up before them, I still get that kind of quiet time with my coffee well, we had Valentine's day. And so our daughter was excited. She woke us up early. She'd had decorations. And so the morning started with togetherness and talking <laughs> and me serving people breakfast. And I mean, by 10 a.m. If I looked at I'm like, I like, st- stop. I'm, right. like, I'm going to snap. And it was this beautiful morning, but just that smallest difference. I'm like, just give me 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I love togetherness, a yeah. complete chaos. <laughs> Breakfast in bed with the maple syrup sheets. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that leads to really the next thing on my list is consciousness around the foods we're taking in. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, those first seven years of Andy's life, that was pretty much subsisting on a diet of sugar and coffee. You know, it was. Yeah. 
and especially because the healthy nutritional foods, they weren't appealing to me, you know, give me the carb and the caffeine, so I can just get Yep. You know, and again, I think it's that risk of, okay, I'm going to make a complete change and I'm going to switch to all whole foods and I'm going to eat all vegetables and fruit. And now our pendulum swings all the way to the other side and it's not sustainable. Yeah. So it's this like, you know, can you slice a piece of an apple today and get that in your diet? You know, small incremental stuff. Absolutely. Which lead to those, you know, those practical, just tiny little changes. Suddenly our life has shifted in really profound ways. And just sort of an aside, super interesting. My sister was telling me about a book she's reading called Quench. And as we know, Americans, it's sort of this hydration is an issue and everybody's trying to drink so much water and all this. Well, apparently as a country, we are on the lowest end of hydration, even with all this new attention to focus on water. Well, because Because of what we're eating, because most other countries get their water intake through food of fruits and vegetables. How interesting is that? Right? So drink the water, drink the water. No, eat an apple, you know, Mm -hmm. put some sprouts on that sandwich and you're taking water in that way. I love that. That was a real eye opener for me. So anyway, yeah. So really, you know, focusing on, and then also like for me, you know, I'll wake up and I'll go, oh, I'm feeling that shakiness. So I look back on the day before and well, I didn't have that glass of wine with dinner and might've filled it up again afterward. Okay. So I know if I'm going to go from one glass of wine and I wake up and I feel fine and I'm ready to approach my day, that second top off the next morning, I have the anxiety shakiness there, right? So, Mm -hmm. or, you know, did I have that chocolate dessert, whatever, like, just awareness, 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 can't say enough about that. So I also think sleep and rest sit play such a huge part in this. And a close friend and I always say, you know, when I'm tired, I will rest. And this idea of if I'm strong, I'm going to push through. I'm going to push through, I'm going to push through. And we know when we move into that mindset of that push through, everything we done, we do will be done from a place of swimming upstream. Yeah. You know, and it's, not it's in the hard. Pot. It's, it, mm-hmm. and it, it, you just show up differently. Now I know a number of people, you know, I'm, I drive people crazy. If you've ever been on a trip and shared a hotel room with me, I'm the person who, like 30 seconds after my head is on the pillow, I'm sound asleep. I've I've been that way my whole life. I value sleep. I get to me, eight hours is not enough, but I get at least eight hours every night more on the weekends. What about people who I know struggle with sleep because of the anxiety? So then it it says, you know, they're laying in bed. I need to rest and I can't, I need to sleep and I can't. And then it just becomes this vicious cycle. Yeah. And this is where I really had to hone my own expertise because of my two, you know, and this is, this is perpetual for my children that they have struggled with sleep. So again, it's customizing, it's finding what works for you. And I love to take a sensory approach to this. So we're looking from all avenues. So we're looking first through our eyes. And so, you know, having the, for my kids, those blackout curtains where, you know, and they're so readily available today, but it's even that like little bit of light that's coming through. And then they have, and I use it too, a fan that does this white noise. 
and it's just enough in the background. And, and I love this there, you know, they're moving toward more young adults. So we don't do it as much. But for those with younger children, I did something that was called the bedtime basket. And what was in that was a homemade room spray I'd make. I just take water and put in essential oils that we love, like clove bud and cinnamon, those kind of Nestle smells. And then I had slips of paper in the basket and they would pick one. And it says, tonight I will dream about, you know, if I could go anywhere in the world, it would be. So it's really like setting the tone right? For, for where are we headed in this place? And then I would the physical touch piece. And then I would give a little back tickle or a head, you know, that kind of thing and send them off on their way. So now as they're of the age there are, they are and finding sleep being a struggle. This is finding their ways and what fits and what works for me. So my daughter, she a hundred percent cannot read before bed because then two hours later, she's still reading because once she starts, she can't stop. My daughter. Yes. Right. <laughs> So, you know, but what she, what works really well for her is pen and paper. And mm-hmm. so her very busy mind, as she's coming to a close at the end of the day, if she can get those thoughts out of her head and she resists it, you know, so often what yep. we know is going to work for us, we, we resist just don't want to do it. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like, well, there's something deeper there. What's that all about? You know, and that's a conversation for another day. But like, how's this serving us? Why don't we want to do this? And I find that very fascinating. Mm -hmm. But getting that, even if, and I think a lot of people resist when they go, but I'm not a writer. Well, have you made a grocery list? (laughs) Like, you know, and I think we're anticipating, well, so tomorrow I'm going to be on Megan's podcast and my son has this going on and then I need to go do this. And now I've gone into my sleep. And that is still neurologically, you know, I've heard you speak about And that's why you wake up at three in the morning, rattling off the to-dos. Yeah. So I always say, let the page hold it for you. Get it out of your head. And I've heard you say this too, onto the page. And it is scientifically proven. We open up that space, right? So another thing I love, we have a magnesium lotion. It's all organic and spreading that on the bottom of the feet. That is another really soothing way. You know, Epsom salts baths, you know, there, there's obviously a whole realm without me being nutritionist and, and all of that. But, you know, there's a realm of that, that we've worked with a nutritionist and gone down that route and, you know, and there's the natural alternatives of melatonin, that kind of thing, which I'm sure you've all done that exploring. But, you know, with the writing, I really like, we just did this last month in my Facebook group, a gratitude challenge of just write down, you start off with just one, then the goal is to get up to three, write down three things, just jot them down. You don't have to be a writer, whatever, before you go to bed. I heard you mention that. And here I am, I'll be perfectly honest. It's been two nights and I haven't done it. Mm. And I feel different. I'm like, why Again, why did I resist it? It's right there. The pen's right there. And this morning I was in a funk. I'm like, I haven't done that in the last two nights. So now I'm going to do it again. And I think it's interesting. Why did I resist it? We get, it's what I find in my coaching is, is you get to a place where you're like, look at me. I've done so well. Okay. I'm good. And we get to that place where we're comfortable and then we think, good, I'm done. We're always perpetually looking for the finish line. When is, when am I done? When did I get there? And now I can go on and just live the rest of or my just life. Excuses. I'm just so tired. I just don't feel like it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. 30 seconds of your life, Meg, and just 
pick up the dang pen. <laughs> so I will be doing it tonight. I will. Be. I'm glad. Well, I will too. So I'll do it in honor of you. And I know this will be top of my list, <laughs> this conversation. So thank you. Yeah. So the tiredness, you know, because with anxiety, it does, it can affect our sleep and we can find ways to manage that. And then throughout the day, rather than that pushing through, if you're tired, if you're finding, you know, I'm just struggling, then give yourself 20 minutes. If, if it's literally lying right there on the floor in your gorgeous office and just, it doesn't have to be sleep, but just closing your eyes and hitting a reset button. Yeah. You know, walking outside and standing on your front porch, taking in a breath of fresh air, which is, you know, next on my list is that outdoor time. Yeah. And I think with that, it's interesting. I noticed for me, when the all last spring with the pandemic, you know, I mean, even people like myself that, you know, haven't battled anxiety at any, we were all, I mean, I was experiencing it, everybody. I mean, the entire universe was experiencing it, but I would find myself in moments where I would go sit outside with the intent of reading a book, working on something for the business. And I would sit down and find myself just literally just staring, like kind of into space because I couldn't get, I just, nothing would come. But then 20 minutes later, I'd feel like a completely different person. Oh and it was not anything I'd ever, it was not a, I didn't intentionally use this as a tool, mm-hmm. but I started noticing a pattern of almost needing that every day. And I was talking with a client because she's like, well, I have this time set aside to go and read and journal every day. But every time I go out to do it, I just, I just end up just sitting there quietly for a tw- and feeling bad. I'm like, why are you feeling bad? That time was meant to fill you. And a filling you is as simple as just being, <laughs> that's great. It doesn't, I think we're so wired and every minute has productive equals a visible accomplished task that you should, can show somebody uh, instead of pr- productivity might be just being. That is such a huge a piece. That's a huge piece that I would say, if you can continue to put that message out there and yeah. emphasize that it's so important. Like I remember I would like in the summers going to the lake when I'm sitting on the dock, I'm not being, I'm sitting next to the lake. So it was this like, well, I'm actually doing something because I'm sitting next to the lake, right? So it's like, how can we get it so that we just feel comfortable with just sitting and being with a quiet, empty mind, a quiet, empty heart? That is the greatest gift of productivity you can give yourself. It's funny, my husband, you can see behind me, for those of you that are just listening, I have my new little board up that says busy is not productive. And that just got added to my office. My husband came in the other day, put it up and he's like, what does that mean? (laughs) It means busy is not productive. He's like, I'm busy all day and I'm very productive. And I said, well, I'm not saying that you're not productive if you're busy. The point of this is you can just be busy being busy and not being productive or on the flip side, maybe being productive is doing nothing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave me the look like you're nuts lady. Um, <laughs> I was like, all right, I got work to do there. Part of what my daily practice is, and it's something that I created because it didn't exist that I could find for myself is I would spend every day. The first thing I would do is I would make my daily to-do list, right? And then I would end the day and I would look at the to-do list and maybe I'd crossed off one thing. Maybe yeah, you'd feel bad and like oh. a failure and then do it all again the next day. So this I is why this, I hate daily to-do lists. I hate them. <laughs> right? So I went on this search. There has to be a way to plan my days in a different way. And I'll tell you, I couldn't find it. Maybe it exists. So I created it. 
And it's on my website. It's a giveaway. It's, you know, right on the homepage, but it's called my magical living daily planner because it's basically four quadrants. And I do it every day, no matter what it is, my practice. The first quadrant is soul. And, you know, other people can call it me time, whatever works for you. The next is service. And that's the work we do outside of the home for the rest of the world. And then the third quadrant is family household. And then the fourth quadrant is where I set my intentions for the day, where I say, I'm so happy and grateful that as if whatever I'm intending has already happened. But the key with this is that soul box is I actually write down, sit on the front porch for 20 minutes, you know, and what I try to do is get what's in that soul box done first. So my mornings are mine, you know, between when I wake up at six to nine, sometimes 10, that's my time where I'm going to read, I'm going to journal, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to walk. And when then I move into my service work, my coaching, my speaking, my writing, I have just such luscious creative energy because it's all been building up to that. And then I'm at the point where I'm a little like, oh, I've already done so much. And now I move to my family household list, which is actually that same to-do list before I started this daily practice five years ago. I was writing every day. And the most beautiful thing that happened is my productivity. I get through that entire list almost every day because I'm coming from such a full heart-centered place of I'm happily washing this dish because my soul's already been fed. My well is and overflowing. I'm folding laundry and I'm like, oh, this t-shirt smells amazing. So I'm coming from a very different approach of gratitude and appreciation because my being myself had already felt the gratitude and appreciation that I gave to myself earlier in the day. So, and that's so important. It's one of the things I work with a lot in the program is prioritizing the time for you every week. And ideally we get to where it's every day. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to see, you know, when you were talking about the no one size fits all, you know, I look back at different stages and phases of my life. You know, when you've got the little kids who are waking you up at 5 a.m., well, yeah. that four hour of me time in the morning, that isn't going to happen. Nope, that that's stage. for sure. But then I know for me right now, the stage of life I'm in, which who knows how long I'll need it is, I need about 30 minutes every night after dinner and kind of before our family time. And if I don't, I I like, I have to have that. And I just kind of disappear after dinner for about 30 minutes. And then I reappear and I can spend the rest of my evening with the family. But it was interesting. That wasn't a need even two years ago. Hmm. I'm thinking maybe the pandemic with all the togetherness has added that in, but just that awareness for yourself of, when can you have it realistically? And then, but I always challenge everybody, you can have it somewhere and you have to, you have to. I think what you've really touched upon is what's beneath that awareness of that, you know, what are our needs and actually asking ourselves, you know, Megan, what do you need? Casey, what do you need? It was such a tool for me with the kids. Like, what do you need? Often they don't know, but they've been seen, they've been heard. That often is enough. But the tricky piece is we may know we need that half hour. And so coming from this place of I'm worthy of that half hour of alone time because I know I'm going to show up as my very best self. That's where a lot of people get tripped up. And I know I need that half hour, but it's just not possible. There's no way the kids have this. We have this. We have that. Well, hang on. 
let's make it possible. Let's make it a priority. And if not at that moment, what other moment? You know, and, and I do, I think we sabotage ourselves with our excuses, right? And, you know, when we put out an energy of clarity, I am taking this half hour after dinner because I need it for me. Everybody mirrors back to you, you know, with our mirror neurons, they're going to mirror back. Okay, she's pretty clear about that. There's nothing. If we come at it of, well, guys, you know, I'm feeling really exhausted after dinner. And I was wondering if anybody would mind if I took this half hour to myself. That's the energy of ambivalence. We're putting out everyone's like, no, mom, I want you to spend time with us. And we're, we're just almost it. looking at you like, because I did that. I started with that. I was like, guys, I just now I just wonder, I'm like, all right, see y'all at seven for game time. I mean, I'm just right. No, right. no reason why. I don't have to give an explanation. Uh, just I just exit. <laughs> Yeah, I think what I think there's nothing more powerful than when we get clear ourselves and we get aligned and we put that energy out. It can't help but be mirrored back to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then everybody wins because then you're better. You're in a better place. I mean, if I didn't do that, I'd be miserable for the next three hours. Then I'm gonna put that energy out, and then no one's gonna have a great night. Now we can all enjoy the rest of the evening after I've just vanished for. <laughs> for a few minutes. And look what we're modeling for our kids, you know, the importance of knowing what we need, acting upon it, and just the, you know, the gorgeousness of that self-care. Yeah. I would say for everybody listening, I know for me, I think a huge takeaway I hope everybody walks away with is the understanding true, truly productivity doesn't mean that you're checking things off a list every minute. It can be those moments in silence. What would be, I mean, we, you and I could probably talk for another five hours straight, Um, (laughs) but what would be your, if you could pick one thing to share with our listeners, what would you pick? Well, I really want to emphasize what you just shared, because I do think that's huge, you know, and, and so I think I'm going to speak in particular to women here. I think we have this need within us this desire to prove our worthiness and to show, look at everything I did today, you know, and then that 20 minutes sitting on the porch, staring into space, doing nothing. I don't want anybody to know I did that, that, you know, because I didn't do anything. I didn't have anything to show for that, as opposed to, look, I read 15 pages of this book, I accomplished something. So we've got to unwind that we've got to untangle that. So it's almost, you know, really close first cousin to what you just spoke about. Productivity doesn't have to be doing. And we don't have to justify our existence in the world by look at everything I did today. You know, I remember when, you know, Tucker was a baby and people would say, nap while your child is napping. And I would say, hell yeah, I don't have a choice. And then all of a sudden I hear a knock on the door and I go, you know, and I jump up because I don't want anybody to know I'm napping, right? Like, what's that all about women? Come on. Like, so we've got to be our best advocate. We have to take care of ourselves first because if we don't, who's going to? Exactly. Yeah. Uh This has been so good. I'm going to put links at all the places everybody can find you and your books. Where would be the best place for people to connect with you? 
you know, I connect a lot with people over on Facebook. I have a, you know, my, my personal page and then I have a business page, which is oh, Casey great. Matthews, author, coach, all that. And it's Casey with a K and Matthews with just one T, just one T. On Instagram, I know. It's, it's- you know, and then I'm, I'm even now on clubhouse, which speaking of productivity, I'm being very careful there. Good. And, uh, yeah. And I have a weekly newsletter that goes out active on my blog, you know, places like that. So oh, wonderful. To connect. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. I really appreciate it. I feel exactly the same way. Thank you, Megan. Getting on top of all things time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Megan Sumrall, or just open any browser and go to megansumrall.com. If spelling my name is a complete pain, just go to theworklifeharmony.com and grab my free time management cheat sheet. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share it.